everyone. Welcome to another episode of CJ and the Duke. As always, I am your co-host, Robert the Duke Fedoric. And I am Corey, CJ Wesley. This episode is brought to you by ClearSky. ClearSky is the only identity governance and security solution built natively on ServiceNow. It optimizes enterprise identity and risk management with a platform-first approach. Look, we have built a great digital world where we can plug and play people into our applications and information globally. Great for speedy operations, but can be a real nightmare for risk and security and governance who are left asking, who has access to what? Who authorized that? Should they still have it? When's the last time we checked? This is why CJ and the Duke love ClearSky. All of the benefit of a company with decades worth of ILM and IGA experience with a solution that's built natively on ServiceNow, the platform that we all trust. ClearSky. Optimized identity management built natively on ServiceNow. Check the description below for an episode CJ and I did on ClearSky, as well as how to contact them. So what are we talking about today, Corey? Oh, Duke, we're going to talk about the ServiceNow World Forum. Yeah, so there was the New York, London, and Chicago ones are already done, right? Yeah, and in Toronto this week, I'll be there. If you'll be there as well, come out, come find me, let's have a chat. I unfortunately will not be making it this Thursday, even though I am Canadian and could very easily do it. But fortunately, just things are getting in my way. I hear Um, you. So Corey and I had the honor of going to the World Forum last week in Chicago. And we thought for those of you who weren't there, I don't think they recorded anything and and put it online. So we'll just give you our thoughts on a whole bunch of stuff that happened. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) And a whole bunch (laughs) of stuff that was said. And some of it we agree with and some of us like, what? So... We're always going to be the realist with you. Where yeah, do dude. Start, I mean, man. <laughs> you know, I, you know for the first thing I want to say before we d- jump, jump into it, right? Like, as I look at these things, the world form is kind of like the rise of the many knowledge, right? I think that's kind of what COVID has left us with, with service now, right now, is that as they kind of migrate back to that one true knowledge that I think will be next year, they've um, mm-hmm. sprinkled in all of these little kind of regional events to get folks together. And so I just want to say I'm deeply appreciative of that. It was great to see everyone that I that I saw at the World Forum. It was great seeing you in person again, even though we see each other all the time. Uh, but it was yeah. you know, <laughs> but it was great being in that environment again. So, you know, yes. I just wanted to say before we jumped in that w- it was a great experience. And if I don't know how many of these things are left, but if you can get to one, get to one. Seriously. And I'll just... You know, it's a privilege of being in the ecosystem for so long, but small, local as it was, still bigger than Knowledge 12. (laughs) Or or at least it felt that way. It felt like a Knowledge 12 sized event. And it's just like Chicago and surrounding areas. Yeah, that's the crazy thing. Even though I know some people flew in too, but yeah. The Expo Hall was definitely Knowledge 12 or larger. Um, Wow. And so that was nice. So yeah, I guess like the in-person event... It's totally where it's at. I thank ServiceNow for doing their level best with the virtual events. But man, you could tell the difference. You could so tell the difference. And everybody felt it too, right? Like everyone felt that electricity. I mean, the vibe is still there, right? Totally. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Speaking of vibes, ServiceNow's messaging shifts here and there, back and forth if you've been at it for a long time. But I found like a really definitive shift in the vibe in terms of like, what does ServiceNow do? What is it there for? What big, big problems can it help solve? Right. Right. And at the very beginning, it was all ITSM and custom apps. And I think the message I saw loud and clear, the words that they said over and over and over again, inflation, supply chain, compliance, employee happiness, employee retention. Right. 
And it was those things over and over and over again. You could probably go in there, like if you were a fresher with ServiceNow and you didn't grow up in IT, you could probably go in there and believe that it's not an IT app or that it, that it never was. Yeah, that's a good point, right? Like that it never was. What I found like year to year with ServiceNow is that I love is the way that it kind of reinvents itself to tackle the pressing problems of the moment. Sometimes it's the platform of platforms, right? Because yeah. there's a lot of platforms out there in your enterprise environment. It's like, we won't replace those things. We'll just be the thing that you go to that integrates all of that stuff and gives you that single pane of glass. Sometimes yeah. like, you know, this year it's inflation, supply chain, compliance, employee satisfaction and happiness, all things that are like top of mind for most people running a company right now. Yeah. There's some flavor of like, these are the big problems du jour and let's put our marketing messaging around it. But what better platform to put behind it than ServiceNow, right? It's not just, Amen. You know what I mean, you're, you're not just capitalizing on this thing. I was happy though, that they said, where's my Trello board? Find <laughs> 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 um, it. Kind of the head speaker. She said, you know, you've got to use the now platform across silos. And I was just like, sweet, we're back to the old good messaging. That's the thing that got me excited, like way back when, is that talking about the now platform, how you use it across multiple departments, silos, if you will, inside an enterprise, right? And unlock all of that data that you have internally. And again, turn it into one single pane of glass and feed that up to make better management decisions and to automate and execute work better. It's like the single arc across everything we've talked about. Absolutely. Right? It's just platform, 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 platform. And, and it's the purpose, dude. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I get, I get stoked about this, man. It's the point. When you're coming into this ecosystem, right, and you're wondering, like, what's ServiceNow good for? What What's the whole point of this thing, right? Like, it's this. It's breaking down those silos, right? And it's exposing all of the inner workings of your enterprise up front and personal so that you can utilize it to build better enterprises, right? To execute work better, to get better insight and better di uh, data mining and make better decisions, all of those things. And it all starts with taking the now platform and spreading it like a virus across your enterprise. Spreading it like a virus. <laughs> Let's take that to the SecOps team. Because <laughs> <laughs> it's the ServiceNow virus. <laughs> yeah. One thing that I found interesting, they were talking about Tokyo release and how Tokyo is awesome and you should go to Tokyo. But they broke it down into like these three intents. And I loved these. And ServiceNow, if you're listening, this would be a great thing to have at the start of a release. Especially of late, it's just kind of like, you get to the to, to the pre-release and, and the MVPs and the CMAs and all people who are getting previews just get 30 slides on new stuff across the platform, but it's no overarching intent. And right. so it was cool for me to see that they had these three intents. One was to boost engagement with people in and out of your organization, supercharged intelligence and purpose-built solutions. Now, I nice. love two out of three of those. I think another one is just kind of like throw marketing babble at the wall and see if it sticks. But, <laughs> <laughs> but which one am I talking about? That is the question, right? So one of these I like as well, but I yeah, I'm a little less convinced on. And then the other two, then I'm kind of like, okay, I get it. So yeah. it'll be interesting to see where we line up on this. <laughs> the, boost, the boost engagement, super practical, right? Like everybody who's got ServiceNow wants more engagement with the people that they have ServiceNow for. 
Um, yeah, no doubt. Purpose-built solutions, totally obvious. They've got all kinds of new ones. But the supercharged intelligence was kind of like, eh, what is that? How do you huh. know you've got it? Okay. So that, that was a weird one for me, is so, the supercharged intelligence. Yeah. So for me, it's purpose-built solutions. And not weird in the sense that I, I don't get it, right? It's weird in the sense for me that I, I lean a little away from it. For me, I like purpose-built solutions. I think a lot of people do. I just don't think that everyone works the same. No, you're and totally I, right. Yeah. Right? Totally. Yeah. And I hope that we're not getting to the point where ServiceNow is building 80-20 or 90-10 solutions, where they're baking 80% or 90% of the work process into the solution and making it hard to configure or customize or whatever word you want to use right. there for the individuals who want it, who actually want to use it and make it map to how they work internally. Right. right. Or you get like those instances where a service now works with the customer to build the V1. Right. The V1 is so entrenched in that first customer's worldview. What if you miss? Yes. What if you miss? I love yeah. that. And I'm not like, I'm not... <laughs> I'm totally not denigrating service now. I'm just saying like, it's happened, you know? <laughs> <laughs> no, absolutely, right? Um, at least one place that I know of. But it's not like they can say that. I understand they have to market and yeah. they can't just say, hey, this is V1 and we hope it sticks. They're going to walk out with a swagger and say, yeah, this is awesome. It's a purpose-built solution for fill in the blank, supply chain management, ESG compliance, whatever. Um, yeah, absolutely. But you But yeah, I just wish there was... It's so hard. Version to version, they'll roll out new stuff, new stuff, new stuff. But it's so hard to keep visibility of it because it's all coming out at once. It's all various stages of maturity by the time the release hits. Yeah. For, for me, it's like, give us more to do as the architects, as the developers, as the, the folks in the ecosystem who are actually building this stuff for you. Like, I don't need you to build out 80% of the solution. I'm fine if you build out 50 or 60% of it. Leave that other 40% as the stuff I can come in and build on top of to make it work for my client. Give yeah. me that. And that helps me dramatically because it gives me the stub of this is how the process kind of works. These are the things that we've left out for you to configure. Like there's the task state util script include, right? Like that allows you to manage task states so much more effectively than when we used to do it in the good old days, back in, you know, five, eight years ago, whenever. Build that kind of stuff and expose it you know, as APIs or configuration options and give me guidance, like general, put a little bit of, of opinion there, but let me take it from there and build out and don't bake everything so yeah. tight that it makes it so hard for me to unwind it and make it work for my client. And before anybody thinks, man, you're just knocking service now down a bit, just appreciate how hard this is. So I grew up in a super like evangelical church family, right? And right. Gosh, we're gonna get super controversial here. <laughs> but one of the one of the like arguments for like biblical literacy of creation is this uh, this concept of irreducible complexity. And I'm not saying I believe in this, whatever. I'm just saying that there's this cool concept called irreducible complexity, which is basically like the thing isn't a thing until it is the thing. All right. Keep so going. it's like, how is an eyeball like a half eyeball until it's an eyeball? <laughs> Oh, I it's got like a million working parts in there. Right. And it's just right. like, until it's an eyeball, what use is it? And how does it make you give you an advantage? Right. Right. And, but I don't want to make this like a debate, right? I'm not like, um, no, no, no. I, I, but, I, but it's a concept that's applicable everywhere. And so service now is in a really hard place because if they want to go into some new industry, they have to have something irreducibly complex at the start. Right. Think about field service management. There has to be an interface to basically like schedule people 
that go on trips to get the stuff done. The scheduling interface has to be exquisite. Right. Otherwise, you've got nothing. Like you've got nothing and you can't build on top of that. So the struggle of service now as they <laughs> plumb into these new markets is how do I make something the right thing that is irreducibly complex? I love that. I like then the idea of purpose-built solutions, but then have them gracefully degrade over time. And what I mean by like gracefully degrade is when you're dealing with a web page, right? And you got a web page and it works great on your monitor. And then it also works great in your mobile, right? And it does that because CSS and these frameworks and what have you, right? All kind of look around and they know where, what device that they're on. And then they, they map to where they are. Like, give me the, these processes that gracefully degrade to less complex over lifecycle time. So then I can customize them or configure them more. Right. I get that you you're going to have to show up in the market with a fully baked product. That makes sense from the perspective of irreducible complexity. But so like three, four revisions in the future, you don't you need to also have added the ability to configure and customize better. Yeah. In order to match the market. Before we get off of this particular topic around the intents, I did want to say a couple of things around like boost engagement. I was just finished up the CTA and one of the things that we talked about there was performance management. And one of the th ideas that jumped in my head is that in order to have a successful ServiceNow instance, right? Like you have to have a highly performant ServiceNow instance because nobody wants to engage with a slow system, right? Mm -hmm. And so from, this, from the standpoint of boosting engagement, I think performance management should factor heavily into this if you're, any, if you're an architect that owns an instance or a product owner that owns an instance, right? Like if you want to boost the engagement of your ServiceNow internally, you got to make sure that that thing is performing well. Nobody's got patience in like slow systems anymore. So that's one of the things that, you know, I, I like them spe specifically calling out boost engagement and that's kind of my spin on it, right? It's making sure that everything works well and fast and efficiently if you're going to be the, if you're going to take on the role of internal evangelist. Yeah. And I took it as just more filling out of the portal interface and, and what do people need at the portal? And so one thing they showed off, and this is dovetailing into more messaging that we heard over and over and over. I think in other knowledges, you would have heard like driving efficiencies and blah, 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 right? Yeah, absolutely. Um, like, and, and, mo and money and stuff. The prime benefits that we kept hearing over and over and over again at, at World Forum was talent, retention, employees, engagement, right? Right. And that dovetails into the boosting engagement intent of Tokyo because they rolled out this thing. They're like, hey, we're just going to demo manager hub. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, what? nobody is. I was just like looking around to see if any other anybody else was as flummoxed as I was because I just never heard about this manager hub. But they pulled it up in employee center and it was a cool little graphical interface. Like, here's all the people that work for you and who's on time off leave and da 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 da. And I'm just like, I'm, I'm filling in the blanks in my head. Like, oh, wouldn't this be nice for resource management? This person's got a red circle around them or whatever. That means they're gone. They're they're out of the office, and I should probably check on their tasks or whatever. But they're just doing different things with people that were associated to you as a manager and kind of took my breath away because it's like you, you read and read and read. You spend hours reading about, listening about Tokyo. And then they're just like, hey, here's something that you didn't know about. <laughs> you know, Duke, I'm going to throw an acronym out here that I just coined in my head, right? And mm -hmm. and I'm going to give you half credit on this because you're the one who kind of inspired me to look at things this way. Dashboard-driven development. 
that's the kind of way I look at like this manager hub and, and uh, some of the other hubs and dashboards and workspaces and things of that nature that they're really putting a lot of focus on. And it's really about the curated experience of the folks who are doing the work, being able to have all the data that they need presented to them in one place, in a static place that they can always go and then use that to actually do their job. I think back when we came up, that, you know, was reporting more so than dashboards, right? I mean, they didn't have dashboards at first. They had homepages, yeah. which are kind of like dashboards, but not quite. And we built based on the process. We built based on execution. We didn't build based on the folks who were doing the work or giving the folks who were doing the work or managing the work or managing the folks who were doing the work, that insight, that single pane of glass again, Right. Yeah, uh, where they could see everything and be able to just have this one place that they can go where everything is, was just exposed and bubbled oh, up dude. to them. Like, audience, we'll put a link in the description below. <laughs> Do our episode on what's up with reporting, where we talk right. about the three personas of reporting. I totally vibe with that. It's this idea that you forget the operators, right? You get yes. you, you get the help desk and all they care about is like, what is the next most important task for me to do, period? Nothing else matters to me, but you're putting these trend graphs in front of them like they care, like they got two seconds to look at that. And what would they do about it anyway? No, their problem is still what's the next most important task. Right. So that element of it. But I also think ServiceNow is going the right direction on this with workspaces and UI builder. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, let's, let's talk about the difficulty of UI builder some other time, but just this concept of the dashboard the working interface, the form, the list don't have to be separate things. Right. It could all just right. be like one operational interface where I'm seeing air quotes reports, but really operational data that is contextualized now. Yep. And, and I have a, a, an interface to do something about it. So that's what the, the manager hub looked like to me was, oh, here's the people you manage and a bunch of stuff you could do with them right now here. So that's what I mean, right? Like, that's why I say you get, you know, you get credit for me for just kind of like changing my way that I look at these things, right? And the way that I view this especially. And that's why, we, you know, we used to call the task like the atomic unit of work, right? Mm-hmm, uh, yeah. I, I, you know, I feel like the dashboard is like the atomic unit of X and I can't figure out what X is yet, but I'll have something cool eventually for it. But it's the it's that place where you want to go, where like your operators are going to want to go, where your managers are going to want to go, where they can see everything about their world and they can interact and execute from that place. And that's going to impact how you build, right? Because it impacts how you surface. And once you understand that you are surfacing work for a specific type of persona, mm-hmm. right? You then have to change the way to how you build a, how you build the platform out, right? And that's where I'm, and that's why I love this. And I love this direction, the the manager hub and all these other hubs that they've been that they've been building out because again, it's dashboard driven development. It's accelerating the way the work is done. Yeah. And that's what the platform is here for. It boggles my mind how we get this far into Tokyo and yeah. it's like manager hub. This is big. Yeah, it's huge, right? And it's, it's not like I've just sat and ignored Tokyo. Like I've been neck deep in the docks just searching for stuff I can make videos about. I would have made a video on this in a heartbeat, but it's just, <laughs> is this set of things that changed so broad or is, do they just need better polish on their pre-release messaging? Like I would have loved to say at the beginning, not at the now forum a month after, Tokyo right. is about boosting engagement by manager hub, blah, 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 and blah, blah, blah. Supercharging yeah. your intelligence by 
do, 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 you know, and so on and so forth. Yeah, absolutely. Right. And speaking of stuff that they just said that I have no idea about, have you figured out the ServiceNow Vault thing yet? Dude. All right. So like I'm an IT guy, right? And and so I hear ServiceNow Vault. And the first thing I think, this is like some credential management. This is ITOM. This is going to be wicked. And so I'm sitting in, in the forum, right? I'm sitting in the, uh, in the keynote and I pull out my phone and I start Googling, what the hell is ServiceNow Vault, right? I, I, like hopefully it's on docs. And I go and I take a look at it, right? While they're talking about it, I'm literally reading about yeah. it. I'm like, this is sweet. I had never heard of it before. This is freaking awesome. Yeah, right, if you like, just you guys are probably scrambling for the docs page, but we'll save you a stop here. Encryption, <laughs> encryption and key management, secrets management, code signing, data privacy, log export service. Yeah, is, a, yeah. is the main things under ServiceNow Vault. But again, it was just does this have previous versions? No, it doesn't. Like let, let, crazy. <laughs> that's why you let, have let me, to go to these things because it doesn't matter how much R and D you do, they'll just come up with these stuff that's just like game changers that you couldn't even get to absolutely right and let, let me tell you this will solve so many problems when i go in for like a, a discovery gig or an orchestration gig back in the day right and i've got security breathing down my neck you need credentials to do what you yeah. need what level <laughs> you know and it's like where are you going to put it and it's like who has access yeah. like, <laughs> i'm gonna put it in the cloud <laughs> exactly like oh my god like, is it, it's right. So then it's like, yeah, I am going to put it in the cloud. They're like, you want to do what with it? And then I got to go through like, you know, how mid server works with ServiceNow and how it's all one direction and it's all pull and not push and blah, 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 blah. And, oh, or push, not whatever the case is, you know, in one direction, yeah. all of that. And that takes sometimes that can delay a whole project two weeks going through all those conversations and getting those folks comfortable with, I see with ServiceNow Vault, the ability to cut a lot of that. So another conversation they had, they had this panel of three senior level IT leaders and- I like that dude, the panel of three. The panel of three. <laughs> um, what was some of the biggest takeaways for you on that? There was one one particular thing that I found like incredibly awesome. And I'll, I won't steal the thunder on that one. I'll let you, I'll let you bring that one up. And I think we both kind of vibed on that, but there was the emphasis around like some of the supply chain stuff that they're doing and mm -hmm. some of that purpose built application stuff. And so folks were talking a little bit about that. I did like to hear that, but there was one other aspect there that I'll, I'll let, I'll let you go with, because I think. <laughs> Man, I don't know. There's two or three big ones for me, but. Go uh, for it. Which I agreed with so there was this what we call the cmdb incident like, <laughs> one of the speakers he's like who here has a great cmdb and Corey and i are arguing over what word he used but it was kind of like if you'd understood it right in that instant in the moment it was kind of like who's doing really well with their cmdb right yeah that was the sentiment and they turned the lights on as if people <laughs> were going to stand up and it was just like silence and then laughter <laughs> and it was kind of one of those things of like did did they mean to do this like <laughs> right like, so uh, so many things in my journey have come together at that point like oh we don't have a good cmdb yeah there's a club for that it's called everybody and they meet yes. at happy hour at five o'clock <laughs> absolutely right like <laughs> I think, you know, it was a learning experience, right? And it, it validates what I've seen. Everyone wants a CMDB. Nobody really has a good one. And even if you get a good one through built for you, it takes a lot of time and upkeep and maintenance to keep it going. Yeah. And I think the value proposition has to be more clear for folks in order to invest the time and money <laughs> yes. into it. 
value proposition. But that's the thing that make, makes me wonder, like, did they mean it to happen that way? Because he immediately starts going into how CMDB was the linchpin for their security operations. Absolutely. It's like one of the oldest lending institutions in America. And they're like, we've got ancient systems. Like, it's a struggle for us to stay secure, right? And yep. so we use the CMDB to be the bedrock for our SecOps stuff. Now, I'm sure there's lots of really interesting details beyond that abstraction. But that to me seems like if I was going to go for a CMDB implementation and try and win, that's the circumstance I'd want to be in because it's got a clear intent. Yeah. You have to improve or so you can like forget about every class and property that doesn't get you to more secure stuff. Yeah, right. And just and just go with that. And then when somebody else says, oh, but we need to know X or Y, then it's just one more use case, one more use case. But build to the use cases, not build to, holy shit, our discovery just brought in 8 million CIs. Yeah. So what you just talked about right there is uh, CMDB charter, CMDB governance, right? And then and in execution with, with the appropriate stakeholders. We should see if we can get that guy on the show. Yeah, I got, yeah, I got him. I'm going to ping him. We were in a CTA class together. He's a he's oh, nice. freaking amazing. Nice. I just haven't yeah, I haven't texted him yet just because I know we were both finishing up CTA and doing capstones and all that kind of stuff. But yeah, I'm definitely going to text him. We're going to get him on the show. The way he talks about CMDB is flipping amazing, right? Like I do CMDB implementations. I'm pretty good at it. I am nothing compared to him. Yeah. <laughs> so, okay, so another talking point that came up during the panel was that I really loved. So he in particular, he he was talking about like CMDB was the linchpin for our cybersecurity efforts and automated governance. And somebody else on the panel said something about managing bureaucracy versus governance. And I was just like, oh, and you were all the way across the room and I couldn't reach with a high five, but I was like, "Mm." it is a killer soundbite, bureaucracy versus governance. And what the CMDB does enable is governance. Instead of, you know, that, that additional bureaucracy of, of flitting about and trying to understand and putting additional roadblocks and things in the process because you don't quite know what you have, right? CMDB allows you to always know what you have and therefore streamline the processes to action against it. Man, I'd love to have a whole episode on that and just riff on how do you tell the difference? How do you know if you've got something that's bureaucratic versus governed? It depends on how many people are involved in it, right? How many steps? There's always an it depends here, right? Like, cause you can yeah. have a 12 step process that is highly scaled versus mm-hmm. a three step process that's bureaucratic, depending on the size of the organization and the needs, right? Like if it's a validated environment or not, if it's government or not, right? Like if there's PII yeah. considerations or not, right? Like, so it, it's going to always be a, an it depends conversation, but at the same time, you want to make sure that you've got all the data available to the people who need it without them having to request it. That's the way I start by looking at it. If I was to take a wild swing at it, I'd say something like, does it provide a serious outcome that you need or prevent a dire outcome that you don't need, right? It's like some of these Mm. things, it's like, it's bureaucratic, but what's the context? Right. I worked at a pharmacy, like at a pharmaceutical company. We were doing change management on validated systems or change management on systems that would talk to validated systems. And it was so... Anybody would look at that as, this is so super bureaucratic, but it's just like, okay, well, if it's not and we fail at this, then they're going to stop us from making the drug for another five, six years, hundreds of millions of dollars of damage. Exactly. (laughs) And so nobody cares that a bunch of 100K employees don't like this. Yes, (laughs) exactly. (laughs) 
the, the consequences are way too big for somebody Half to care a million about dollars your time. And labor is annoyed. Who cares? Yes. Who cares? <laughs> it's so, a rounding error. <laughs> yeah. It's somewhere in there, right? But we should get a compliance expert on and like really talk about this. No, we absolutely should. I think this is under-discussed aspect of the platform, right, around compliance. And obviously, ServiceNow thinks that too because they highlighted it in this world forum. I, I really do think we should dive into that more and and maybe talk about how we can break compliance out of its shell a little bit and, and spread it more across the platform instead of having it over just right. in the uh, GRC yeah, like area. Somebody way over there uses GRC and it's like, how can it just be fully integrated together? Yeah, right? because there's compliance aspects everywhere yeah, or should sure. be. Yeah. <laughs> and it's, it's kind of like, well, you could be doing something out of compliance for months before the compliance people say, hey. <laughs> right. You know, anyway, we probably have one room for one more. And I think this is a good thing to leave it just because it underscores so much CJ and the Duke stuff. One of the people on the panel said, you have to think of ServiceNow as a product across teams. So set up a proper team with proper architecture and have clear measures of success. Like, Hello. I was just like, mic drop right there. They could literally could have hashtagged that one, CJ and the Duke. Um, right. <laughs> totally right. That's what we preach here, right? Like setting up proper teams, making sure we've got the proper architecture, making sure it's all it's clear across the, the entire team structure and the product, right? And and knowing what, it, what success looks like, right? Like mm-hmm. I, I don't think people set the success criteria often enough, especially when engaging with outside assistance what does success looks like look like when i leave right yep you totally took the words right out of my mouth if you're an organization it's like i gotta get somebody service now and most likely i'm gonna need a partner to team up with to do a bunch of stuff so i have the choice between getting like an admin or a product owner which do i get well if you're gonna use partners anyway get somebody who's a product owner you see what I mean? To set up yep. these paradigms, to set up good architecture, good practices, all this stuff, to be a leader for the tool such that you can plug in whatever vendors you want. Don't rely on the vendors to do that because there are going to be so many of them and they're going to be in and out. They're not going to be your perpetual source of sage advice, if that makes any sense. Yep. But even if you can't, like even if the all you can afford is like a new ServiceNow admin, put that aspiration in front of them. Listen, you're yes, you're an admin, but you are basically, you have to own this tool and go ye out and find out the best practices for it and establish that for us here. Yes, a center of excellence, right? Yeah. I think big companies do this, or at least some of them do. Mm-hmm. I don't think enough companies do this. A center of excellence to me is an absolute must because you're going to call someone for help at some point and you need to show me if when I come in, like what you own this thing, right? Like you need to tell me how I, how to interact with it. Imagine that it's an API and you know, you're making a call. I'm the, I'm I'm the, I'm the, I'm the payload, right? Like show me where to go. That was a geeky metaphor. Um, (laughs) That's the thing. So the center of excellence is often missing. And I think all of this stuff people look at as fluff. And I probably did too, way back when, when I was predominantly doing IT and not really service now, didn't really understand process and service management and things of that nature. But these things exist for a reason. And I know larger companies do them because they have way more hands in the pot and it becomes harder to scale these one-to-one conversations than, you know, than it does at a smaller company, but smaller companies can benefit from this stuff too, because it it holds you accountable, right? Uh, For for your own success, 
is one of those things, right? And and to ensure that you're getting a value out of anybody that you engage with, any other vendor you engage with in the product itself. All right. I think that's all we got time for today, folks. Join us on the next one. We're probably going to talk about Rise Up, right? Rise Up. Rise Up. All right. All right. See you on the next one, folks. Later. CJ and the Duke is hosted by Robert the Duke Fedoric and Corey CJ Wesley. We are both freelance vendor agnostic ServiceNow experts who can help you in three different ways. If you want a true consigliere in your corner for your ServiceNow implementation, if you want to tell your customer story on CJ and the Duke, or if you want your brand in front of the largest independent ServiceNow podcast community, check the links below for how to contact us. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.